Welcome to the Atmosphere Church Podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this message. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our desire is to help lead you in experiencing God by following Jesus. If you want to find out more information about us, head over to our website at atmosphere.church. Enjoy the message. We've been talking about identity. And uh, really, honestly, we've been talking a lot about spiritual warfare, which is real. I believe it's one of the most undertaught subjects in the modern church, but it's the most important subject uh, when it comes to our faith. Uh, But I kind of feel like we need to shift the focus from just spiritual warfare to just identity in general, because I really firmly believe that there's something missing within who we are as people of God. Like we have an identity crisis going on as far as being followers of Jesus. Uh, I, I was thinking of this quote that I heard years ago. Some of you have heard this quote before, but Gandhi, uh, who is famous for his humanitarian efforts when he was alive, he had this to say about Christianity in general. And, and the first time I heard it, it just it stuck with me. And I want to give it to you this morning. It says, I like your Christ... I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And one thing I've noticed over the last 12 months, 15 months, I forget how long we've been in this COVID weird season, but there are a lot of people that carry the name of Christ that don't look very much like Christ. And I feel like we need to talk about that. We need, we need to, to almost like, like, rediscover ourselves and, and recover some of these things that, that should be essential qualities of us being people of God, followers of Jesus. Like when I think of Jesus, I think of all kinds of qualities, but the three qualities that really stand out to me more than, than all the other qualities is that Christ was giving, he was loving, and he was a servant. And, and I just want, really want to kind of take a deep dive in this because if you were to pull all the layers back, how many grew up uh, with a set of encyclopedias at your house? I know I'm dating myself. I'm a child of the 80s and I'm proud of it. All right. My dad got us all these encyclopedias and the human anatomy section had this like peel back, like, you know, layers of the human body. How many grew up having this? Or maybe you remember going to the library and, and so you would peel back the layers and see the different layers. Like if we were to peel back all the layers of what it means to be in Christ, I, I think you're going to come to this really fundamental idea that to be in Christ means that you are giving, you are loving, and that you are serving. And and again, this is not the exhaustive list, but I would say probably if we were to really give a top three, that would be the top three. And so today I want to do a deep dive in this idea of being a giver, or we like to call it being generous. So Luke chapter 19 uh, is a story that that happens with Jesus and this man named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. So back in biblical times here in first century Palestine, the, the Romans occupied Palestine. And so every person that lived in Palestine had to pay tax. It's like we have to pay tax. And just like we don't necessarily like people that collect taxes, they didn't like people that collect, collected taxes. Now, but there was a little caveat that we don't know about. And that is... 
the tax collectors would take a little bit extra for themselves, and the Romans looked the other way when that happened. And so they were getting rich off other people's taxes. And so Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector. He was like in charge of all the other tax collectors. He was, he was the poobah. He was the, the, the big kahuna of all the tax collectors. So, so nobody liked tax collectors, but you especially despised the guy that was in charge of all of them. And in verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And he was wealthy, mind you, from all the people that he was pretty much taking from. And he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. And since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the loss. Now there's a lot in this particular experience that Zacchaeus has with Jesus that we could probably spend weeks on, but I want to zero in on something that takes place in Zacchaeus's heart after he has this encounter with Jesus. Like his life completely did a 180. He went from being this greedy guy to, to you know, trying to take from people to being this generous guy that was willing to give to people, all because of an encounter with Jesus. See, our prayer for you is that you would have a similar encounter with Jesus, that Jesus would come into your life and, and he would move you so much that your life would never be the same. That's what happened with my life, and that's what's happened with so many other people's lives in here. And that's our prayer for your life, is that you would have a very similar experience. But I love that the change manifests itself the most powerful way through his generosity, through his being able to give his life away, to be generous. I like to say it this way, being generous means to live with an open hand. Think about Zacchaeus before it's tight fist. Mine, 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 right? This is our default setting if you think about it. You know, you, I, at least I haven't ever had to teach a toddler the word mine. <laughs> you put a toddler in another room with another toddler, and even if you've never even taught that toddler that word, they will say that word eventually, saying mine, it's my toys, you know, my whatever. But this is, this is something that takes place when, when you start taking on this identity that Christ has given you, the generosity of Christ becomes this movement inside of you to open your closed fists to living with an open hand. That means that you're willing to give to anyone, anywhere, anything. And this is how it kind of unfolds. And I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures. If you want to write these down, you can. You could go to the Bible app. We have our notes on the Bible app under the events section. You can look up Atmosphere Church and you could follow along with us. But 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 kind of says where this generosity identity kind of comes from. It says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ 
Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Now Paul is is giving us this explanation as he's going around talking about being generous towards the church and in this generosity he's saying our generosity stems from the fact that Christ has been so generous to us and so the more that we are embracing the generosity of Christ absolutely the more generous we're going to become naturally Acts 20 verse 35 in everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Hebrews 13, verse 16. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that do what, church? That please God. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. Jesus says, freely you have received, now freely what? Freely give. There, there is this mantra that is throughout the Gospels and throughout the epistles of the New Testament that it, it's just, it, it's just, like, yes, of course you're going to be a generous person because Christ lives in you. See, there's two things that, two words that should not be connected together, stingy Christian. That, that, those two words should not be together at all because it doesn't fit. Now, I'm going to give you guys kind of a, a test, an assessment, um, this is kind of like our, our way of kind of doing an inventory of how we're doing in this identity that we are to possess in Christ. And I'm going to use four areas that really kind of help highlight how generous we are. And you might want to write these down and just ask yourself a question as we talk about each one. Like, how am I doing in this? How am I generous in this area? Here's the first one. Write this down. And that's time. Time. Time is the easiest really to use, but it's the most difficult to give up, isn't it? Think about your week this week. Like how, how many days you woke up just going, how, what can I do to get stuff done that I need to get done versus like, like being generous and waking up and saying, how can I leverage my day in order to give more to God's kingdom and to be able to give more to the people that are placed around my life? It's time. I am convinced God cares more about our availability than he does our abilities. How available are we with our schedules to be used by God for his kingdom, for his people? Here's the second one. Write this one, and that's talents. Now, I like to word talents because it starts with the T, and it's going to be easier for you to remember because all of these start with T. But it really comes, it comes down to what, what is your skill set? What are you good at? What are you experienced in? You, you know, what, what have you been trained to be able to do? Now, most of us, when we're trained and when we have a skill set, when we have experience, we have jobs that pay us for what we do. But have you ever just paused and thought like, okay, I'm educated, I'm skilled, I'm trained. How can I leverage this talent to actually be generous back to God's kingdom and to other people without maybe being so like wrapped up in getting paid to do this or, or, or getting ahead for my own personal gain by doing this. It's being able to extend that back to God and to his kingdom. And here's the idea. You may not all be talented to go on The Voice or to go, how many remember that show Star Search like back in the 80s? Like, you know, they had these different talents that you could do. And, and, and if you want to brand you, you say, I'm not that talented, but you do have experience. 
you, you do have something that maybe you're, you're trained at. I will tell you right now in COVID, something that you need to understand is, is our world is so tech-driven that we need some major tech-skilled people to step up for God's kingdom in this new season that we're going in as a world, really. And we need, we need some tech people to, to step up. Uh, thirdly, write this down, treasure. And this is probably the one that comes to our mind the most when we say the word generous. We think of our money. We think of the resources, the assets in our life. And, and that is a category, but that's not inclusively all that there is when it comes to generosity. But there is a big part in what generosity plays when it comes to our money, our finances, the assets that we have in our life. Now, the Bible talks about the, the giving of 10%, and this is where we get the word tithe. And many of you that have, have grown up going to church are accustomed to, yes, you, you tithe what, whatever God gives you and whatever income that you have. You don't spend 100%, you spend 90%, and you, you leverage 10% of your finances to give back to God's kingdom and for everything uh, that needs to be done for God's kingdom. Now, the tithe, just so you know, it's beyond just the Old Testament law. Because there's some people that argue like the tithe is Old Covenant and we're in the New Covenant, so we're not supposed to tithe anymore. Do you know that the tithe predates the law? Do you know that there was a story in the beginning of our Bibles where Abraham wanted to give honor to God through the priest Melchizedek? And so he gave him a tenth of all of the possessions that he had so that he could honor God and, and honor Melchizedek uh, for what he was doing. So it predates the law. And so I, I look at the tithe as like a good benchmark of like how we can leverage our treasure in order to be generous towards God's kingdom and other people. But I, if we're honest with ourselves, when we've turned our lives over to Christ, he owns everything. He, he owns not just that 10%, he owns 100%. And honestly, everything that we have now becomes his. And so I love the word stewardship more than I do generosity when it comes to this principle of, of our treasure. Like we're stewards, everything that we have is God's. And how are we stewarding the very treasures that God has entrusted to us? Here's the fourth one, write this down. And this one you may have not heard before when it comes to the, the talk of generosity, but I want to... I want to kind of highlight this because this, this one, I haven't really been seeing a whole lot in COVID about this one. That is treating others. Being generous in how we treat other people. Now, what does generosity look in how we're treating people? Here's the reality of your life and my life. People are going to offend us. Anyone been offended this year? <laughs> people are going to wound us with their words sometimes. They're going to say something that's going to just be like, oh, that hurts me. They're going to hurt us. And this principle of generosity is where we get to really apply forgiveness. Have you ever looked at forgiveness as being generous to other people? Because here's where the generosity comes. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve me releasing them of what they did to hurt me, wound me, or offend me. But I'm going to do it anyway because the Bible says to the degree that I've been forgiven by God, I am to forgive other people that have offended me and that have wounded me, that have hurt me. Have you ever looked at that as being generous? Like if you are for Christ, you are forgiving. See what I did just there? If you're for Christ, you are forgiving. 
You're forgiving. You're a forgiving person. But it goes beyond that. It goes even to being a grace giver. Not only are you forgiving, you're grace giving. And grace giving is a little bit different. Grace giving is somebody that is over, willing to overlook a mistake. Willing to, to overlook something that somebody did that, that messed up something that you needed or, or, or required in your life. And grace giving is saying, like, you know what? Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has a bad day. So I'm going to be a grace giver to you right now. And if, if it comes down to it, just so you know, if it comes down to it, like I'm going to get my way or I'm going to be able to overlook the offense. If I'm on the bubble on that, I'm always going to err on the side of grace. Why? Because God has been so gracious to me. Why wouldn't I err on the side of being a grace giver? But do you see how that's generous? Because there's some things in our life where we're like, that, that, I don't want to tolerate that. But if we're grace giving, we're going to move against this cancel culture that we seem to all be living in and be, be willing to say, that person has a different opinion than me. You know what? I'm going to be a grace giver instead of part of the cancel culture. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to overlook this and, and I'm not going to unfriend them. I, I'm going to actually extend grace to them. Are, are you tracking with what I'm saying? See, this is generosity being put on full display with your life. So how are we doing? How are we doing with these categories? Because here's what you need to understand, and here is the the hilarious good news, is that God has promises for those who are generous. For those that are positioning themselves to live with open hands, God's saying, hey, I see that generosity, and and I want to recognize it, and and I want to give some extra favor towards you for being generous. A generous person and putting my son on display with your life. Luke 12, 33. Sell your possessions. Give to charity. Make yourselves money belts which do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. You know what? You know what this is saying? There's a heavenly 401k that you have for your life. Now, I, I'm not here to talk against retirement because I think it's smart to, to manage your money that way and have a 401k. But this is saying that when you live a generous life, nothing is hidden from God. And it goes into your heavenly bank account. So it may be a deficit here when you actually give something away. But your, your, your withdrawal here is actually deposit in heaven. Are you tracking with me? So this, this is how we, we kind of leverage our life now for the life to come. Smart people live with the future in mind, don't they? We have all of eternity waiting in front of us. And every day you wake up, you're one day closer to eternity. Do you know that? When's Jesus coming back? I have no idea, but I know that I'm one day closer than I was yesterday. And so how are you leveraging your life right now? If, you, if, if everything goes well for you, maybe you're going to live 80 years. What is 80 years compared to eternity? Nothing. It's a drop in the bucket. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus gives this parable about this, this king that is rewarding his people that were doing to the least of these. And he says, as you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. And Jesus was basically making it very clear that how we live our lives here and take care of the poor, the needy, the marginalized, the less thans, he says, you're doing them unto me and I will never forget that. You're doing them unto me. Let me give you a couple more if that doesn't convince you enough. Psalm 112 verse 5. It says, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely who conduct their affairs with justice. Good will come. 
Proverbs 11.25, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. This is God's boomerang. You know, whatever you send out, God says, I'm sending back. If you woke up today and you were majorly bummed out and you were kind of discouraged today, you know what, you know what your remedy is? Your remedy is go out there and refresh in somebody else. Be generous towards somebody, and that's going to boomerang right back on you. And you're actually going to encourage yourself by reaching out and encouraging somebody else by being generous. And, and here is a great one. Write this one down. It's Malachi chapter 3. A lot of you have heard this preached before. And uh, it, there, there's a lot here, but it says verses 10 through 12. Bring the whole tithe, that's the 10% we talked about earlier, into the storehouse God's house, so that there may be food in my house. And it says, test me. Really, the only place in the Bible that we see God saying, test me on this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So the Lord is promising, when you leverage your treasure and you're saying 10% of what I have is God's, and I'm giving it back to God's kingdom through the storehouse, through, through the church. When I do this, God says, I'm going to promise you two things. And I don't know which one is more powerful. Opening the windows of heaven and pouring out blessings and favor or rebuking the devourer from my life. I don't know which one gets you more excited, but both those things are pretty awesome. And I've, I've, I've experienced both of these things. I've witnessed both of these things. I will tell you, there are more God stories that I've been told in the history of me being a pastor when it comes to the area of people's finances than any other area of their lives. If you're a person that's saying, I don't, I don't have God stories for myself. This is a part that I want to tell you and I want you to circle. Then test God in this and you will have your own God stories. What? One of the, the most memorable mile markers or milestone moments for me uh, in, in the area of tithing is when Tara and I first got married. We got married when we were young. We were 21 years old. I mean, our, our budget was Taco Bell and Top Ramen. That, that was our budget. And Taco Bell was like reaching down on the couch cushions to pull out the coins so that we could, you know, make a run to the border, right? And, and, get, and get some Taco Bell Supremes and, and, and have a, a feast there. But, but here's, here's what happened. We decided that we were going to save our money and buy a, a track home. Like, and said, like it was, we lived in Bakersfield. We're like, okay, we could afford this. We've got this track home, and we saved up our money. We're so excited. And it wasn't much. It was like maybe 1,000 a, a square feet. And, but it was exciting because we got to build this house. And then three months after moving into this house, we got this bill called the supplemental tax. And I'm like, what is this? And I found it was legit. When you build a house, they give you this tax. And it was $900. I'm like, we don't have $900. Like, this is crazy. They might as well have told me it's $900,000. I was like, I don't have that money. We don't have that money. And so we prayed. And I said, God, we, we've been faithful at giving. We've been faithful at tithing. God, your word declares to us that you shall supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. And God, this is a need that we have. And so we prayed over it. I, I, I decided to, to talk to a couple of friends of mine that were in kind of the, the, the tax business and found out if it was like a legit bill. And one of the guys that I was talked to, he said, hey, 
You might want to call your mortgage company that you did your loan through because sometimes when you get a new loan, they'll put money aside. It's, it's rare, but sometimes it, it does happen. And so they could put that money towards your tax. I was like, that was a great idea. So I call the mortgage company and I go, hey, a friend of mine told me that I might have this like account, like after our loan is done, I have just like this extra money. And she said, ah, uh, probably not, but let me check. And so she goes and she checks her account. She goes, actually, you do. You, you have a surplus. I go, great. How much are we talking about? She goes, $900. I go, come on, somebody. What? So our tax bill was paid for. We had one car. We, you know, we had all these little kids and, and it was kind of hard because Tara needed to run errands. I needed to go to the church and work. And, and so we were praying about a second car and we were at a staff meeting and Tara's dad, who was the pastor of the church said, Hey, somebody gave us this truck, but we can't give it away because they said the engine needs to be redone. And, and so does anybody here want to like take a stab at like this, you know, making the engine work on this truck? And so I was like, I'll do it. And so they gave me the truck, and the, the truck was like, it was a mess, all these miles on it, the check engine light was on it, and I was like, I, I don't know how long this is going to work, um, but somehow, some way, that truck lasted me for four years. I, I was able to get a smogged and everything, and, and I kept thinking the whole time, like, it's going to break down on me any day. You know what? God, I believe, rebuked the devourer and kept that truck running. I gave that truck to somebody else. Who knows? It might still be running today. I have no idea, but I looked at that, and I'm like, that is the favor of God from being generous to his kingdom. He sees it. He sees what you're giving. He sees what you're sacrificing. Nothing is unnoticed. Isaiah 58, and if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday and the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desires in scorched places and give strength to your bones and you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Do you see the trend here? God's saying, even when everything else is dry around you, when you live a generous life, I'm going to make sure you're taken care of. I'm going to make sure that you're well watered. There may be desert around you, but in your life, there's going to be green pastures because you cannot outgive me. And I am seeing everything that you're giving, especially when you give to the needy, the poor, the hurting, the marginalized. He sees it, which leads me to the last verse I'm going to give you, and that is Luke 6, 38. And I love how the Passion Translation reads it. It says, give generously, and generous gifts will be given back to you. Shaken down to make room for more abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. The measurement of your generosity becomes the measurement of your return. Now, hear, hear what Jesus is saying. He, he's not... He's not teaching us that you give to get. That's not what is, is being taught here. But, but what he's teaching is you can't outgive God. Because whatever scooper you use to scoop out generosity, God's using the same scooper to pour back over to you. Now, every morning I have a little smoothie drink I make and, and I, I, I have some protein powder. Yeah. And, and I get the protein powder. That was my Arnold Schwarzenegger voice, by the way. Uh, so I, I get the scooper and I put it in my smoothie, right? And I was just thinking like, wow, 
Here's a scooper just to get, like, if I scoop out some generosity, that's the same scooper that God's, you know, scooping back into my life. So what I believe that God is calling us to do through Atmosphere Church is he's calling us to upgrade our scoopers to supersize because as we supersize or generous towards other people, God's saying, I'm going to be supersized generous back towards you. That's how it works. And that's how you walk in miracles. That's how you walk in God stories is that you trust God by being generous people for God. Now, let me give you real practically the three areas that I believe God has called us to be generous towards. He's called us, number one, write this down. He's called us to be generous towards his church because this is how he gets business done. Jesus, the church is Jesus's idea. Now, how we do church today may not necessarily be what he envisioned, but the church at large is his idea that he is going to change the world through us with his spirit living in us. And so when we bring our resources together, just like they did in the book of Acts, we're able to take care of each other's needs and we're able to put together uh, ministry so that we can reach out to other people that are far from God and bring them in and introduce them to the gospel. That's what the church is about. And so when we leverage our finances together, when we bring our wreath, and I'm not talking just treasure. I'm not talking just your 10%. I'm talking your time. I'm talking about your talents. I'm talking about how you're treating others. When you bring that into the church, wow, we begin to see lives changed, people healed, families restored because of what we're doing. Like even like what we're doing this Saturday. As a church, we're coming together. Now, yeah, one of us could go somewhere and do something really cool for our community. But when 100 of us, 200 of us get together on a Saturday morning and say, we're taking our whole Saturday where we could be going to the beach, we could be going and watching a game, we could be doing all kinds of stuff, but instead we're throwing on a serve t-shirt and we're going to love our city well by doing these random projects. My friends, this is how we change our community. Through these no strings attached kind of love projects that we're going to be doing on serve day. But you know, the serve day doesn't just require people's time. It requires people's treasure. Do you know that on average we spend about $5,000 of all the stuff that we do on serve days? Where does that money come from? It comes from all of us coming together, giving. And, and uh, through that, we're able to do some really cool stuff for God's kingdom. But here's the second category. Write this down. It's our neighbors. Not only are we called to be generous towards our church and all the people in our church, but we're called to love our neighbors and to give to our neighbors. Now, here's, here's what the Bible defines our neighbor as anybody in our life that has a need in their life. And last time I checked, that's everybody. Everybody has a need. And it might not just be a financial need. It might be an emotional need. It might be a relational need. Everybody has needs. And so because they have needs, they are our neighbor. And so we are called to be generous towards our neighbor. Now, what does that look like for you? When's the last time you checked your neighbors and just said, how am I being generous towards, like, literally the people on my street? But how about the people that you shop next to? And I was inspiring myself when I started getting into this because what you don't know about me is I carry this, I don't know, what do you call these, a phone wallet or something? I carry this thing around. It's got credit cards in there. And I learned from my father-in-law, who's like my spiritual mentor years ago, to always carry some cash on me and just put it away because you never know when you're going to meet a need that you're going to be able to fill and God's going to use you to fill. 
So I, I was thinking about that going, man, I've, I've had some money tucked away. And so when people give me money, sometimes I'm like, that's not for me. That's for somebody else. Like, thank you for giving it to me. But I know, like, I put it away. So I happen to have $200 in here. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, God, I've been sitting on this thing because of all these different COVID weird things that I, my head has been just distracted. So, like, I need identity recovery. I, I need to be back to my generous self that I'm used to. And so I'm like, I want to go on a reverse treasure hunt. Now, you guys might not know what a reverse treasure hunt is, but see, a treasure hunt is you're going to go and you're going to find treasure. A reverse treasure hunt is you're going to go and you're going to give somebody treasure. That's a reverse treasure hunt. And so I'm like, Lord, I want to have a reverse treasure hunt. And so this week I prayed and I said, God, you put, like, just prompt me to do something, go somewhere to help somebody. And immediately as I'm praying this prayer, I see a grocery store and I see a woman with dark hair and a baby. And she's going down an aisle. I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to go to a grocery store and I'm supposed to give this $200 to a lady and I'm supposed to give it to her. And, and God, that I know this is from you. And so I went to a grocery store that I thought of and I'm at the grocery store and I go in there and I'm like going down. I don't have a basket. I'm just like cruising down like some strange guy, like, you know, stalking people in the grocery store. And I'm going, and, and in, in my mind, I hear the Mission Impossible music. level right there. That was me. And then, and then right there, aisle eight, there was a woman with dark hair and a baby. And I'm like, well, well, maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe there's somebody else in this store. She was the only woman with the baby with dark hair. I was like, this is God. So I went up to her. I was all excited. I had the money in my hand. I gave it to her. She's looking at me like, what are you doing to me? And I'm like, I'm, I'm giving you money. And this is what I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to tell her and say, I see you. I love you. And I want you to trust me. And, and so I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to say. God sees you. God loves you. And he wants you to trust him. And so, you know, I, I'm nervous too. Like, you know, in these days you go up to a stranger, you don't know what, you know, are you going to get the pepper spray? I don't want, so I go up to this lady and I'm, like, I'm handing her the $200. And I said, hey, God sent me in here for you today. And he told me to tell you he sees you, he loves you. And that he wants you to trust him. And I'm like waiting for the moment, like waiting for the tear. And she says, I don't speak English. <laughs> I'm like, what? So I go, oh, okay. And I, and I gave her the money and I'm like, okay. Okay, she speaks Spanish. So I, I went to like Mexico projects uh, as a youth pastor. So all I remember is Jesus te amo. Like, and that's how you say it. Like those that you speak Spanish, like, like Jesus loves you. I say, Jesus te amo. Uh, and, and, and so I'm trying to communicate with her. And I say, glory adios. That's the other thing I know. Glory adios. Like glory to God. And so I like, glory adios, Jesus te amo. And she's like looking at me. And so I, I like did my, you know, praying hands. And then, and then I like prayed for her. And then I prayed and I said, Lord, just, you know, love her and just use this money. Expand it like loaves and fishes. Amen. And I left and, and I was like, okay, God, I, I, I did my mission project, you know, and, and I, I was generous and I'm leaving. I'm driving. But I'm kind of frustrated because I really felt like I heard God say, tell her, he, I see her, I love her, and that she is to trust me. And I was like, well, I don't understand that. And then I heard God's voice say to me, he says, Jim, I see you, I love you, and you need to trust me. And I received that. I started just, just bawling in my car because I, I needed that. 
And, and I want to declare that over you. He sees you and he loves you. And he wants you to trust him. And that happens when you start living a generous life. So with that in mind, how are we doing being generous towards our neighbors? What if we all decided this week we're going to do a mission project? You know, one, one year in Vegas, I, I got like 100 gift cards to Starbucks. And I said, just randomly go give them out like this week and just say, God, God, uh, this is on God today. But, but I don't need to do that. You do that. To, you know, pull some money out of your ATM and just say, this is for God to be generous towards a random stranger. I think that'd be so fun. And, and send me the God story that comes from that, right? Um, but here's the, here's the third one. Write this down. And that's our world. Our world. Write that down. Because we're not only called to be generous towards one another in the church, we're called to be generous towards our neighbors. And, and really, honestly, this whole world... And there's hurting people all over the place. And you've heard the expression, I'm sure, before, like first world problems. And I know not all of you have been able to go to a third world nation before to be able to see how they're living. My son will tell you, he went with us last time to Africa. Some of you have been to Mexico. You've been to some of these places that it's just like you come back and you're just so much more um, grateful for the things that we take so much for granted here. And one of the things that God did with my life is in 2008, um, he put a project in front of me in Zambia, Africa. And, and ever since then, our Vegas church, which we're still connected to, that was the church that I was leading for 10 years, we've been helping a pastor, a local pastor in Zambia. And I have a picture of them. This is Pastor Ernest and Laika. We were supposed to go visit them last year before COVID hit. And they have been leading this church for decades. And they had an orphan show up to their church property one day, and they couldn't turn them away. And, and uh, within probably four months, five months, their house was full of about six or seven kids because they had an epidemic of AIDS breakout in Zambia back in the 90s. And it pretty much wiped out half the population. Many, many kids were orphaned because of that virus. And so Ernest and Laika, without anybody helping them, they started their own school. She's a school teacher, so she started raising these kids up. And then a Canadian woman came and found these guys and said, we're going to build you a school. And then so they got to build some buildings, and then she died. And then they were praying, they were fasting, and then our church showed up on their doorstep and said, God sent us here to help you. And so they said, we built this, this school but we don't have the income to, to feed these kids and take care of these kids. And so we partnered with them so that they could not only educate, because education in Africa and a lot, in a lot of these third world nations, it's not free. Like, don't think just because in America education is free, it's like that for the rest of the world. They have to pay to go to school. And because of that, most of these kids don't ever go to school. And so the cycle of poverty stays in check. They, they never break out of poverty because they don't get the education. So not only are we educating these kids, we're getting to feed them. And some of these kids, about 50% of these kids, the only meal that they get for the day is the meal that our school feeds them. 
And on top of that, we get to disciple them and teach them about the generosity of God to live generous lives because of the way that God has been generous towards them. You know, that school went, for, I think they had like 80 kids when we showed up on their doorstep. Do you know they have over 600 kids that they're taking care of in three different regions within within Zambia because of our generosity that we've been giving to them from the states. So I want to do something real radical and it's kind of honestly it's it's kind of dangerous because we have a budget for a church and and I'm like I, I just I just want I want people when they think of us as as people of God I want them to think those guys are outrageously generous people. When, when they think when they think of you attending Atmosphere Church, when they see that sticker, I want one of the first things they think is that they are so generous. So I'm going to do something I've never done before. Everything that we bring in today, I'm going to send right over to Ernest and Laika. I want to send everything that we bring in today for our offerings, I'm going to send to them. And we're, we're partnered with our Valley Vegas Church. So maybe you've never given before. Maybe you're just like suspicious of the church, like they're just doing it so the pastor can drive a fancy car. My car's not that fancy. Remember the truck? <laughs> I did upgrade that truck. But, but still, today, test God on this. Be generous towards people that are living halfway around the world that don't even have access to clean water. And let's take one offering and next week, I'll, I'll tell you how much we raised and how much we're going to be able to send. And there's no middleman. There's nobody getting a cut of the pie. 100% of what we give today is going to go straight to their church and to their school so that they can do great things for God's kingdom in Zambia, Africa. Are you with me on that? Are you feeling me on that? So let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. Let's, let's recover this identity of generosity, Father. And maybe just take, take your hand and just open your hand up. God, you see our open hands, God. We want to be generous people for your kingdom, for the hurting, the needy, the marginalized. God, so that we can put on display the generosity that you've given our lives. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms, and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official website at atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click the link that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.